please note that information in this podcast episode is subject to change. Thank you. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Growth Medium. I'm Sarah. And I'm Mim. Last episode we had a a lovely guest, uh, Fariha Chowdhury, and we addressed um, how some people from ethnic minority backgrounds um, in some families felt pressurised into certain fields of work and that included medicine, which is funny because today we're joined here with our lovely guest Mazana and Mim, of course, to discuss my medical application to undergrad medicine. And Mazana's currently going through the process herself and applying as a postgraduate. So we wanted to compare the two processes, that of a postgraduate and Mm -hmm. an undergraduate. Yeah, so... um in last week uh, last week we talked about the different pressures for medicine and ironically we're going the complete opposite way Mm -hmm. (laughs) in this week's episode i mean i definitely kind of uh felt a pressure to apply but obviously i didn't so we'll touch on that a little bit as well um and i'm basically gonna just be interviewing sarah and mazana today um on their applications to medicine so Mazana, thank you for being with us today. We're excited to have you on. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so hi, Mim and Sara. Thank you for having me here. Um, yeah, so my name is Mazana and I am a final year biomedical science student studying in London. So today I'm here to talk about applying to medicine as a graduate. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine the process. Uh, Well, I don't know. Obviously, I haven't applied to medicine and stuff. I can just imagine the process is stressful. Yeah, it is. (laughs) I mean, you're doing you're doing a whole degree and you're applying to med school. I I can't imagine what you're going through. So how are you feeling? How's everything? Um, I guess I don't really know, to be honest. It's been a journey for sure. I think um. Mm-hmm. it's just something that I had to do and it's just now become part of my life that I'm just doing it now it's like a background noise a constant thing that I'm just doing mm-hmm. on the side yeah it really does become that I felt throughout my A-levels our main focus was everything was about med you know getting into med school yeah and uh, well I guess I don't understand well from my perspective obviously I don't know what the pressure is like because I've never considered well I wouldn't say I never considered applying to med school I mean like we talked about in last week's episode it was definitely something that was um on my mind during sixth form because it's kind of we both like I did both biology and chemistry so it felt like a natural fit but again like Faria said last Mm -hmm. week I just think that I didn't fit the character of a doctor. You know, I hate being in hospitals and GPs and that type of thing. So for me, something like biochemistry was a bit of a better fit. Now, Mazana, you just said that you're doing biomedical sciences and you're applying for postgrad, right? How are you enjoying your degree so far? I noticed how much I really um, enjoy any modules that are clinically related 
so it 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 reinforced the idea that I'm more of a student that wants to do something more hospital or um, medical, you know, tr- patient based. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever it's just research or something, I just I zonk out. Like I can't I can't be in a lab all day. Yeah. it's not me. And I think it's good that I did this degree because it gave me more of an understanding of what I what I see my future as. Mm-hmm. And as well as giving me a good foundation. Yeah. Definitely. I I love that because as an A-level student, you don't really have um, that kind of perspective that you're talking about. And that's added value, I guess. So do you feel that your motivation is the same as it was before you started this degree? How do you stay focused? Yeah, I do feel the motivation is um, still there. I've always had a passion for medicine, so um, it's never gone anywhere. I think it's just um, strengthened as, as the time went, and it, also the fact that I've become a mature student, I've mm-hmm. been able to appreciate the whole idea of, of becoming, um, well, hopefully becoming a doctor one day. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. So since you're applying for postgrad medicine, you're of course going to be a student for a few more years and of course you're open to that idea um how many years is postgrad medicine well i thought before i answer this question that i would clarify a misconception that many students have when looking into studying as a yeah. um, graduate medicine so um when a graduate student applies for medicine they do not apply for a postgraduate medical degree that's actually something that mm-hmm. medical students would apply for later on after completing their medical degree. So instead, we have the option to apply to two types of undergraduate medical degrees. And that is the normal five to six year medicine that Sarah may, um, has gone through, obviously. And um, the other one is the accelerated graduate entry medical degree. And the accelerated graduate entry medical t- degree is typically four years. OK, so let's do the maths here then. How lo- <laughs> Sarah, how long is that altogether? <laughs> like like nine, ten years, I think three years of undergrad and then uh at least four years okay six years so she's applying so basically you're applying seven years. as in you start where every undergraduate starts isn't yeah, it? yeah yeah so seven it's pretty years. much on the same page yeah so it's six years and then that's if you wanted to go into postgraduate medicine yeah. then another four years i don't know it keeps adding on there and then that's not including the fy1 and fy2 yeah oh my god they're still training it's after that as well process yeah you guys are in it for the long run (laughs) oh yeah but it's as long as it's your passion isn't it Mm -hmm. so so if we're gonna we're gonna get into the whole process of the application now and kind of lay it out for people and explain it and maybe compare at some points so um to be able to apply to most universities, you need certain grades in some certain GCSE subjects like science, maths, English language. Um, I don't think English literature is a requirement. I didn't do it myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'll plug a little disclaimer here. Everything changes year by year. So definitely don't take anything we say um, 
word for word i'd say make do your own research and make sure you're up to date with the individual universities that you're interested in that being said um so generally your a-level grades have to be pretty good if you're applying from uh straight from sixth form well um i think mainly uh, aa above but then it differs from different courses and obviously um different universities so you should definitely check out the universities that you're interested in beforehand and then another aspect of the med application would be the UCAT and BMAT exams and just for anyone out there who doesn't know what these are the kind of aptitude tests that you take before or during your well during your application to uni normally the summer of year 12 for myself that's what it was so summer after year 12 you kind of do your work experience um we'll come on to that a bit later your work experience you can be my exams depending on which unis again yeah that's pretty much a summary of the whole process apart from well then you have personal statements and interviews that comes after yeah after down the line yeah so can i let me just ask a quick question in terms of a level subjects is there anything that's a requirement chemistry was a requirement but it's always good to double check uh, what about you, Mazana? Is there anything that's compulsory or a requirement uh, in terms of a postgraduate application? So when universities are looking at graduate degrees, um, we they tend to focus on the degree itself. Um, some unis do take in A-level into account. So that, those are usually like mm-hmm. um, BMAT universities such as Oxford, Cambridge, UCL. Okay. And they would typically want a higher, I mean, mm-hmm. not a star, a star or A's, but a bit a, lower than um, their normal requirement for the okay. five-year course, but still a high level. So it's still A's and B's. They would still want in it for their A-levels. Um, yeah. and But the actual mm-hmm. requirement in itself is um, you need a okay. one or above in a, um, in yeah. a degree um some unis if they um if they they won't accept any degrees that are not bioscience related mm-hmm. um but um other unis may um accept degrees that are from humanities but for them they would want an additional uh yeah an additional um requirement such as doing mm. a level chemistry or biology at a um at a c level or something but um, even then, like some unis, different unis have different requirements. So some unis would still consider your as if oh, okay. still consider okay. your A levels and GCSEs. Some will not. It's just whatever unis you're looking at. That's really interesting. It's yeah, it's so broad. Yeah, yeah, it's, and it's quite different as well, isn't it? from that application mm-hmm. but it's nice to know that people come from, can come from different backgrounds and then as you said with the humanities so like for example if someone decided to take a humanities um subject for their degree or a degree a humanities degree it would mean a different process for them yeah i mean you kind of have to have a good like biology and well not necessarily biology but chemistry background to you know thrive in med school um but you know what like this is obviously a process that's really specific to the UK I really wonder what it's like outside but that could be a different episode yeah because like for example there's um some universities that only like I've mentioned the BMAT 
and there's some universities that only mm-hmm. accept BMAT but then from those so I think it's in total nine unis that accept BMAT for for med students and then from those nine unis Manchester University and Kiel uh only need their international applicants oh. to do the BMAT but it would be nice to know what our international followers or subscribers and listeners um if they could tell us about their journey as yeah we'd be really student. interested to know it would yeah and so Mazana, isn't some your UCAT and BMAT requirements higher f- than for someone applying as an und- undergraduate to be honest, um, we're not really sure about that. I don't think it is. I, I do think that if you're applying for a competitive four-year program, because there's less space, mm-hmm. the cutoff would be higher. It doesn't mean that you the requirement is lower because a lot of unis, they would just say in general, like, for example, King College in London, they're on their website, they'll say, oh, we don't have a cutoff. Like, it goes year to year. And it's because for that year... Yeah people might have done really, really bad, so their cutoff will be lower, or they might have done really, really good, so their cutoff is higher. And it's the whole how many spaces they're competing against. So with because of their graduate program only having 29 places, obviously the UCAT cutoff will probably be a lot, lot higher than if you were to apply for a five-year program. Yeah. Is the, like, just a quick question, is the five-year program the one that's intercalated, so you get, like, a bachelor's and the uh, MBBS as well? I think the six-year program. It's the six-year, it's the six-year program that oh, okay. you do the IBSC in it. Yeah, the intercalated year. The five-year okay. normally is just for medical school, nothing, nothing different. Okay. So... It must be stressful then, juggling, obviously, the application as well as uni work and deadlines. And especially now, like, we're both in third year. I don't actually think I mentioned this before, but I know Mazana from university. Um, so <laughs> I know what the deadlines are looking like. Um, but, you know, we're doing our research projects this year. We're doing a dissertation this year. And we're having the whole mess of coronavirus um, amongst this. So it's definitely stressful so far. And it's much, much, just much, much more work compared to the last few years of uni. And I'm sure Sarah kind of similarly felt this when she was in A-level, like during year 13, it's just much, much more work in year 12. And then you have to put the medical school application on top of that. Um, how stressful did you both find it? And Mazana, what A-levels did you do in, um, yeah, what A-levels did you do? And now... How has that kind of, well, okay, I guess the A-levels isn't really uh, part of this, but how are you finding it, uh, how are you managing with the stress right now? Good question. <laughs> um, well, the, I guess, the A I did the typical A-levels. I did the biology, chemistry, and maths. And um, compared to that, the degree mm-hmm. seems to be a lot um, more manageable because you're doing it over three years and the course structure, I think the way they lay it out, the way they do their assignments and the percentage of the coursework and the exam just feels like um, even though you're trying to meet all these deadlines, they're still manageable. Whereas with um, A-level, it's a Mm -hmm. two year, it feels like a two year intensive learning period where everything comes and at the end you have a full exam for it, (laughs) whether it's a pass or a fail. At least while you're doing your degree, you have an indication of where you are and and 
how much you need to improve Mm -hmm. so that's um okay and then so with my a levels i pretty much did the same biochem maths i started off with geography in year 12 um but then i dropped down to three um moving on into year 13 and I just decided not to continue with geography anymore because I thought it would be uh, a little bit more difficult to, to juggle um, four A-levels than three with an, a medical application because I personally consider it to mm-hmm. be a whole nother A-level on its own. Um, <laughs> so yeah, another whole part of the process would be supercurricular activities and extracurricular activities. And so supercurricular activities, just for clarification, would be in a way academic extracurricular activities that you take so it'd be like MOOCs reading journals or books and being basically staying up to date with an area of uh, expertise or, or science I guess it can be anything really and then obviously everyone knows what extracurricular activities sports hobbies they want to see that you have a good work-life uh, balance do you so is this part of your whole process as well Marzana um is it re- as important in your pro- application process if it is how do you manage it, it must be crazy I think it is very important. Medical school in general, whether you're applying for a graduate or undergraduate, wants to see you as a well-rounded individual. Mm -hmm. And your extracurricular and supercurricular activities convey this. It conveys whether or not you can um, manage your time well and as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I personally have worked as a weekend receptionist at my local care home, attended some societies, read around the subject a bit, And I believe the best way to manage these activities with a busy schedule is to prioritize and plan your week so Mm -hmm. that you can fit them in. And also to realize that you don't have to take too much on that. Like you need need to take on only the amount that you can handle. If you take on too much, you're Mm -hmm. most likely to not finish the um, the project or or commit um, for a longer period of time. Mm Uh, that's a really really good tip um during my a-levels personally I try to take on a lot of things like I try to apply for a part-time job I try to do driving I try to do this and that and I went to a fairly um strict sixth form where we had to do a lot of uh, extracurriculars anyway so for me personally taking on all that it didn't work in the end because I couldn't commit to it um I still can't drive (laughs) so there's that (laughs) and um it just stressed me out in the moment so I think that's a really really good tip being able to you know you should take on what you can handle as as opposed to what you feel like you should be able to do and prioritizing is key it's actually been so organizing my time has been like a hobby of mine (laughs) I do like to watch productivity productivity videos Mm. uh, and whatnot do you have any particular favorites no not really I just whatever's whatever's out Mm. there I'm into I've I've actually been exploring minimalism at the moment because they they seem to have good ideas in terms of productivity and but it's actually implementing those into your life that seems to be the difficult part not learning about them (laughs) yeah watching the videos is easy but then actually doing it it's a different thing Okay, so we talked about your A-levels. You did biochem, maths. uh, You're going through the process of doing UCAT, BMAT, all that right now. Let's reflect a bit more back to the choices that you made in year 13, so your biomed degree. Um, How happy are you? Are are you happy that you chose the biomed degree? You mentioned 
previously that it gave you a bit of a different perspective has it also helped kind of develop your character in ways that maybe you wouldn't have if you went into med school straight away um yes i think so i've become better at interacting with others i've been more able to be open to opportunities and seek themselves out myself um Mm -hmm. yeah and i think i've just grown and matured over time so now I know that I can handle the pressure. Something that as a mm-hmm. um, as as an A level student, you don't know what you're getting into when you're doing a five year medical degree. Yeah. Yeah, so if we go back to the like whole actual nitty gritty of the application process. So when you apply to UCAS, do you choose four med schools and then a fifth choice? That that's what I did as an A level student. Um, well, it is an option, so you can if you want to, but we've the idea of it is that a graduate student has already obtained or is obtaining their degree. So when applying for a graduate entry medicine, the fifth option would not make sense for you to use it. Instead, if you are considering doing a master's or a postgraduate degree, you would apply the normal way and that is direct to a uni rather than via UCAS. Okay. All right. So that's that's interesting. It's quite different there. Um, but then it makes sense because you've already done a degree having a... So, so that brings us on to the next point. Um, and often it was drilled into my head that you should have a uh, like a contingency plan a plan b um or something to fall on you know as a backup plan in case things don't work out you can't foresee the future you don't know what's going to happen do you mind sharing a bit more about like your alternative plan um yeah so i have thought about this a lot and because medicine is so competitive and it's best to have another plan in place if worse comes to worse and you don't get a medical place but it doesn't mean that the other options are not just as competitive. So, but they are just things that you can consider. So some options that I have looked into was taking a gap year and possibly getting a job or just doing some volunteering. And who knows, may apply for medicine later on in life. Um, there, there are some programs out there such as the scientific training mm-hmm. program. And that's a three-year work-based learning program. So you're going to be working in the hospitals and um, you'll be also uh, completing a master's throughout those three years. And by the end of it, you will become a clinical scientist and it will be, you will specialise in a certain field. So if you were to specialise in genetics, you can become a genetic counsellor. Or if you were to um, specialise in embryology, you can do the whole IVF treatments. And um, there's an, another programme um, that I was looking into was the physician associate degree, so which is a postgraduate degree. And ultimately, it's a two-year intensive programme that will result in you supporting doctors with diagnosis and management of patient health in hospitals and and um, GPs um, and then obviously the the normal ones are like doing a master's and if you do a master's and you choose to apply to medicine later on your entry requirement actually becomes even lower so instead of a um, typical 
2-1 classification for getting into um, as a graduate entry uh, medical student, they would expect a 2-2 class, um, they would yeah, a 2-2 classification. And then obviously there are just so many graduate programs out there, such as research pro- um, programs in, yeah. for example, um, in a company such as GlaxoSmithKline. So it's not, it's not like there isn't any contingency planning phase. There's a lot. Do you know where people can find like these opportunities, or is it just, or or does it just take like a little Google search to find all of this? Um, so your university can support you by sending out career newsletters, or if you look into their career websites and or talk to a career counselor, and obviously it's a quick google search just to see what else can you do after your degree so you know i do like that there's nowadays a lot more things out there if you want to not necessarily be a doctor but also just be an allied health professional i mean i've seen i think there's a website i can't remember where it was but um there's like a list of degree apprenticeships that you can do which is what uh, similar to what mazana was saying where you could do uh program and you're clinically training whilst you're also obtaining like a master's or something and you're still then uh working in the hospital or gp um but sarah what was your plan b it's a bit of a different one so um i applied through ucas to four med schools and then a fifth non-med school and now my the degree I picked for my fifth choice was actually called medical sciences and engineering, which is a completely different take on on what medicine is all about. But it was basically it was a it was a new degree program, and from what I remember, like seeing going to the open day and and everything, is that it's really aimed at bridging the gaps between doctors and engineers so you study anatomy and how using your engineering skills that you'd learn, you'd be able to cater. Um, to the needs of patients and doctors are like a bit more so it's a bit more specialized in that sense and it's quite different and I didn't think as I didn't see myself doing pure chemistry or biology or like biosciences it's, it's completely different it's, it's engineering it's like a completely different thing I know I know it I know it's completely different but it the subject quite really fascinated me yeah so um in terms of mazana in terms of your ap- medical application right now are you doing the ucat or bmat exams at the moment um i have taken the ucat and i've also taken um another type of en- uh, medical entry exam called the gamsat oh, okay and yeah so for graduate students we have three options we can do the bmat ucat and the gamsa mm-hmm. and um obviously bmat is for the uh for places like oxford cambridge Kew, i think mm-hmm. um ucat are the more king college st george's queen mary type yeah. universities and then the gamsat um it's actually specifically for graduates it's it's actually called the graduate medical school admission test and it is actually an australian exam that the uk government has included for some reason okay (laughs) yeah yeah so um so a lot of four-year programs such as st george's nottingham would include this graduate 
um, medical ed um, school admission test and we would be doing that and it is a really really long exam so it's like it takes the whole day a five-hour exam and yes and we have three sections uh section one is on reasoning with mm -hmm. humanities and social science so you're basically doing a comprehension and then um section two you have to write two essays and then finally section three is reasoning in sciences <laughs> so you're doing um a science multiple choice question yeah and yeah so i've I did both. I did the GAMSA and obviously the UCAM. Um, in terms of any advice or tips um, to prepare for them, I think the best one mm -hmm. is to familiarise yourself with the exam, such as the type of yeah. questions being asked, the structure of the exam and the timing. Mm -hmm. So you, so then you are prepared for it in every possible way. Because as you know, the UCAT is all about timing. You need to just re do it really, really quickly and as and as answer as many as you can. Where and but the GAMSA, you need to have the strength to go through the whole day of just doing exams. There's that whole difference. And I guess the final tip would be just to practice, practice, practice. The more you practice, the more you can improve on your score, and the more better, the better of a chance yeah. you have. Mm -hmm, definitely I cannot imagine walking out of a five-hour exam I don't know how does it feel it feels like <laughs> it feels like I've accomplished some mission that I have no idea why I did in the first place <laughs> yeah why am I doing this yeah. again oh uh, yeah that's crazy really crazy I've actually have you heard of the step one exam yeah is yeah, the eight American one. US, yeah. yes, yes. These are what. Um, so the step one, step two, and step three. These are what um, US medical students have to take in order to practice medicine. And I think as well, if you want to go and work outside the UK, you have to take these exams. Um, but don't take my word for it. Go and Google it because I don't really know. Um, <laughs> so I know, but what I do know is that the step these exams are eight to seven to eight hours long. But is it like you have to sit there for seven eight hours? Or do you get to take I think it's one sitting. Really? I don't know. Surely, surely you can take breaks. Well, let's hope they can take because breaks. Because I heard for some American exams, you can, you can like actually take a break and go eat or something. And I was like, what? Do you have time for that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, with the GAMSA, we have a half hour break to have a lunch. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So it's actually five hours and a half. Yeah. It, I remember yeah. going in um, for the test around two o'clock and we didn't finish fully until eight. And oh my God. that was because of the whole process of getting in, signing in, having the break yeah. having to change mm -hmm. between the sections so, yeah yeah and then yeah go out do you get your obviously no it would make sense it wouldn't make sense i was gonna ask you that do you get your results straight away but then no surely you'd have to mark yeah it would take a while to mark a five hour long exam mm -hmm. yeah it's a bit like the beamer so you end up getting okay. the results after you've already applied okay all right and just for those who don't know pretty much you count when you walk out the exam room they give you results on the spot mm -hmm. um so yeah and uh wow guys but so yeah in terms of UCAT revision I did leave it a bit too late and um I had uh 
um, roughly two weeks. I revised for it two weeks beforehand. Oh my god! I'd, in those two weeks, I crammed it. I'd literally sit at the desk from eight, and I wouldn't finish till nine. And I'd take like half an hour breaks just to eat. Um, yeah, I literally I strained my eyes. My eyes were in agony. But don't do that. Maybe no, just don't. like revise into me. <laughs> I'm sharing my experience <laughs> to learn from my mistake. I learned from my mistake myself. I did the B yeah. as well. Um, but for that, I started six weeks in advance revision. So that was good. And I just used the past papers on the BMAT um, website. And um, I'll make sure to put in some links for some resources, guys. I used um, just the official BMAT website. And then for the UCAT, the official website as well. Um, that's pretty much it there are some other like um applications that you can use that you pay for courses and stuff but they're not really endorsed by the actual official examination exam board exam board thank you another factor when applying to postgrad medicine um that's a consideration is the funding because for undergraduate medicine you get the student finance funding don't you for the first few years and then nhs is it uh what's it like for a postgrad so funding is another thing which many of you may be interested in as a graduate. Um, for the four-year graduate entry, we have to fund the, um, a third of our first year's payment ourselves, and then the rest can be funded through student finance. Mm-hmm. Um, for year two, three, and four, the NHS will fund only a third of your tuition fee, and the rest is again covered by student finance. However, if you're applying for the five-year undergraduate program, it has to be fully funded by yourself. Um, oh. Yeah. However, however, we can access the maintenance loans, but we can we cannot access the um, tuition fee loan at all. Um, yeah. But just like any um, one who's applying for a five-year program, the last year you are eligible for the NHS to cover that final year. That's crazy. It is crazy. Where you... Oh, gosh. Don't get me started. <laughs> wait, wait. Okay, just for my own interest, how, like, on average, how much does one year of med school cost at postgrad level? It's the same amount as an undergraduate. It's 9000 Oh, okay. Because okay. it's, it's oh. an undergraduate program, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a little confused how this works. Wait, so there's the five-year and then the four-year. Is there not a six-year? Well, it depends. Are you applying for Oxford Cambridge where it's a six year program or are you Not for postgrad, no. Yeah. With the intercalated. So and so it's only a six year with the intercalated. And so what's the difference between the four year and the five year? Well, so as I said earlier, the five year is the one that you've applied for. What a normal yeah. undergraduate student will apply for. Now for the five year you have the normal five year without the intercalated and then you have the six year mm-hmm. with the intercalated. Usually, yeah. as a graduate, if you're applying for a six-year intercalated degree, sometimes, for example, like UCL, they don't have a graduate mm-hmm. program, but they will allow a graduate um, student to apply for UCL, and they will forget mm-hmm. about the six-year because you've already got a degree. So they, they wouldn't require you to do an intercalated year, and you'll end up doing five-year. Oh, yeah, so it's like a speed, it's a speed line to your fifth so you go straight on to your fourth year well for us yeah yeah so you just do five years but the four year itself is just Mm. a it's basically the five year course um, done in four years and it's 
and it's a lot more intensive and it takes a longer time oh. um, it could some unis tend to extend it um, over the um, term time so instead of the typical amount um, that Terms, you would go you, you would go a bit time. more extra or a bit more longer so yeah. it's just a more intensive program basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh my god <laughs> Because medicine isn't intensive enough. I guess they're coming from a point where that you know, you just want to get over and done with stuff. If you've done a bio degree though, if you've come from like a social science or something, then you don't know. But I'm sure there's a bit more uh, restrictions as to who can yeah, join yeah, yeah. what. You know. Okay. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about was work experience, and I guess it's a very very important part of an undergraduate um application or one coming from um a levels because this is i think this is where people realize truly truly realize whether medicine is for them or not i really enjoyed my work experience can you tell us a bit more about what the work experience um what work experience been what part it plays if it's as important um and uh, if you've done any and you want to talk about it let us know what you did um, so work experience is really important. It's just as important for graduates as well. So mm-hmm. yes, I have um, done a work experience. I've actually um, shadowed doctors at Great Ormond Street Hospital. Um, so mm-hmm. I spent time on the oncology and hematology department. And there I attended handover meetings, walked around with the doctors during ward round, saw some patient examinations and even minor procedures. I even attended multidisciplinary meetings. And that was something new for me because I've never really heard about multidisciplinary meetings until I actually um, went to Great Ormond Street Hospital. And um, I found out that it's particularly important um, because uh, basically all the t- departments gather around. So it could be surgery, mm-hmm. oncology, even nursing, palliative care. They're all um, around. Um, also um, biomedical scientists, um, pharmacists, they're all there and they are all um, ensuring that um, the best level of care is being given to the patient and it's in the uh, patient's best interest. And in Great Ormond Street Hospital, all the cho- all the patients are children. So they ha- obviously the parents are heavily involved. And obviously um, other experiences um, I, I, um, I have done were my actual work as a weekend receptionist at a care home, which exposed me to the social care sector and allowed me to interact with nurses and carers. And then um, last, uh, just... Um, the summer that went, I actually took part on an online work experience um, where I saw where basically the whole day was dedicated to what you should be learning from work experience if you were to actually be in the hospital. And I complemented that with a online work experience course. And um, those two were particularly helpful for um, for replacing face-to-face work experience during mm-hmm. a pandemic situation mm-hmm. because obviously it, beca- it became difficult to get more experience during a pandemic um, situation and face-to-face was just no longer an option so how would you replace it you replaced it with online ones mm-hmm, of course 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's where I can't really input in because I don't have any experience with how um, the application process has been this year. I'm sure it's been really difficult for everyone out there. It's already so difficult. Mm-hmm. Best of luck to everyone, though. You mentioned multidisciplinary teams, and I think it's really, really important that people pay attention on the work experience to um, different aspects of the work experience, as you said, yeah. because it's not all about yeah. the the surge, the procedures that you see. It's more about behind the scenes what do you take from this and you need to really really reflect on it i think that reflect highlight underline Mm. bold in every (laughs) manner of form because it's really really important to reflect on your experiences uh, and to think about the behavior of the doctors and why they acted in a specific manner and i guess if you understand and you portray that in in your personal statement and hopefully your interview we'll get onto that in a minute that really demonstrates to the university um, admissions team Mm. you really understand what you're getting into and I think that's very important (laughs) and so the interview process are you looking forward to it well Mm. I hope I do get the interviews so and if that happens yes hopefully yes, I am really looking forward to it that's interesting I mean I would have thought especially since like COVID-19 is a thing that you know the interview seems like it'd be even more of a stress than it normally is because I mean people are scared of interviews like I I'm generally fine with them but people obviously get nervous because you're trying to show your best self um are the interviews happening online this year and has that made your preparation any different to what it would have be like if it if there wasn't a pandemic um so many unis have already decided to do the interview virtually some unis are still mm-hmm. deliberating whether or not they should uh, or okay. or if they will mm-hmm. allow some socially distant interviews um so to be honest i don't think it does make that much of a difference I think you should prepare how you would have normally prepared. But the only thing you would need to do is familiarise yourself with the new type of um, interview style they may introduce. Okay. Or like like some unis may do uh, fewer MMI stations than what you would have done if you did a lot of MMI stations. Mm-hmm. Some unis may decide you're just going to do traditional. We're not even going to touch the MMIs. You know, so you just need to check what the university wants you to do and make sure you prepare for that mm-hmm. and just practice the type of, you know, uh, of interview style, the number of questions, just practice. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really important to practice and to put yourself in like mock um, interviews uh, to kind of familiarise yourself with the situation. But yeah, I remember being really, really scared for my interviews, like kind of really, really nervous, really nervous. But they're really nice. They're nice, the interviewers. And it's just all about being honest, isn't it? And Mm -hmm. to portray your your true self. Have you got any more advice that you'd like to share with our audience, uh, Mazana? Yeah, I do. I think you should all be happy and proud that you've got an interview because the fact you've done a lot of work to get to this stage. And I think if you Mm -hmm. feel a a certain level of pride that you've done this and that you've been able to get there and that you are good enough that you've been able to get this interview, it will help to build your confidence and prevent you from being too nervous when it comes to it. So then you can actually have a proper interview 
um, a proper interview rather than just being a bumbling mess. And yes, true. Obviously, That's very true. Yeah. Obviously, you need to reflect on all your mm-hmm. experiences and don't feel like it's limited to just your work experience. Reflect on every aspect of your life. It could be your the um, as a graduate. It could be yeah. your degree that you're yeah. doing. How has your degree um, allowed you to become? who you are today and how has the experience itself um, made you into becoming a better medical student and a future doctor you can talk about stuff that you do daily it could be even something to do with traveling as long as you can reflect and put it and make it um how do I say make it more relatable to medicine it's a win-win situation anyway and I would definitely say ask around, see, like ask um, pre- previous successful medical applicants uh, about their experience. It's good to um, understand what they have gone through, what the, what type of questions they may have gotten, how they responded. And then you get a better understanding of what actual examiners or interviewers are looking for. And yeah. yeah, and then finally, just practice. We just need to do a lot of practice so that when we get there, we're ready every every way we can be ready. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, I'd like to add on to that, saying that um, it is important to reflect, like you've mentioned, and you're not there to spout out your experiences. They, they don't want to... They don't want a retelling of your experiences. They want to understand what you've gained from it. Yeah, what you learned from that experience. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice to add, Mim? I mean, I'm not going to have any advice. <laughs> I'm staying away <laughs> from this as far as I possibly can. But you know what, actually? I have one piece of advice. Um, Sarah okay. told me for her interview, she forgot to take a bottle of water. So I did. <laughs> so i forgot it yeah so if you do have in-person interviews probably not this year but next year uh and the year after that um take a bottle of water you don't want your mouth to be bone dry yeah i had it prepared i just forgot to take it with me and i was devastated because i was quite nervous so my mouth was a bit parched i was yeah it was dry and i wanted a sip of water but i couldn't but luckily they had some water in the room so it wasn't too bad and um, uh, an interviewer was really nice and he was like, do you want some water? I was like, yes, please. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Must have helped with the nerves. It did, it did. It really calmed me, yeah. calmed me down. So, well, thank you so much, Mazana, for being here with us today. Mim and I wish you the best, 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 best of luck in your application. We totally believe in you. Oh, thank you. Well, I hope this conversation was useful. I really enjoyed this experience. Oh, thank you. We enjoyed it as well. And yeah, like Sarah said, good luck with your medical application. And if any of our listeners are uh, thinking about applying to med school, here you go. Sarah and Mazana dished out their experience. Um, It's been a long one today. I mean, we didn't expect this one to be so long, but I've enjoyed it. Um, We hope you enjoyed it as well. This is a reminder of why I steer cleared of medicine, but if this still is your cup of tea, here you go. Don't forget to rate and review this episode before you leave. Make sure to follow and subscribe as well. Mm-hmm. And if you have any further questions on the medical application process or just any questions in general, do not hesitate to DM us on Instagram at the growth medium. 
uh, and follow us of course as always you can find our references in the show notes and we'll link things like the ucat website bmat uh, website and some other uh, possibly mental health resources as well in next week's episode sarah and i will sit down to discuss something that happens to our bodies every month yes you guessed it right we're talking about the menstrual cycle <laughs> so do do stay tuned and look out for that episode um but until next time bye